Welcome to the Stronger Than Steel podcast with your host, Austin Davidson and John Keir, talking Steelers all the time. Now, here's Austin and John. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Stronger Than Steel podcast, season six, episode 17. I am John Keir. And that is Austin Davidson, my co-host. Welcome back to the show, Austin. Hello, How are you doing? I'm doing great. So this will be our second reintroduction back to the show after our last attempt earlier in the month was uh, uh, lost due to technical failure, which we have way, way too often. Uh, it's embarrassing, to be honest with you. It sucks. But uh, hey, you know what? It's fun. That's why we do it. We have fun. And you know what? All I could do after all that mess... Uh, couple weeks ago was just laugh and it was a good last laugh yeah we talked for so long about so many things we talked about college football we talked about like going into the cowboys hall of fame game and then i never pressed record on my audacity so we lost it all i mean we had john's half it wouldn't have really made much sense without hearing what i also said to make john say what he said so we couldn't post it but this time it is definitely recording as I sporadically am checking it now because now I'm anxious that I didn't hit it, but I'm watching it go as I speak. So we're good this time. This one you're going to hear. Yeah, I think we've all been involved in things like that where it's uh, it's something where you work really hard and then before when, when you finally realize what's happened, it's uh, it really is just a gut punch, but that's okay. Uh, we're here now. That's all that matters and we're... We're looking ahead towards the Steelers 2020 season. We're halfway through the preseason as we speak. It is August 19th, late on August 19th. The Steelers just completed some roster cuts. Uh, We have a whole bunch of things to talk about since uh, our last episode that we talked about or that we had talked about a lot of the players that the Steelers had drafted. And it was just shortly after the NFL draft. Uh, Since then, obviously, there's been a lot going on between OTAs and mandatory minicamp and obviously training camp, let alone the first few weeks of the preseason here. Uh, Where do you want to start? Do you want to talk about the Hall of Fame weekend and that? Do you want to talk about some of the free agency signings and trade acquisitions? Uh, Do you want to talk about the games themselves? Where do you want to go today, Austin? How do you want to start this? I think we'll talk about the Hall of Fame game first because I think that talk about the Hall of Fame game will talk about some of the stuff that happened in training camp that led us to believe certain things, you know, going in. I feel like the Hall of Fame game is a good place to start. All right. Well, how about first uh, we'll start right next to that. We'll start with the actual Hall of Fame induction of five different Steelers. Bill Nunn... uh, is Bill Nunn, uh, I forgot, is he junior or senior? Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't remember. Bill Nunn. I think he's senior? No, he's junior. junior. Uh, my apologies. Bill Nunn Jr., yes. Uh, former scout for the Pittsburgh Steelers, worked uh, with the team from, I want to say, 1970 to 2014, uh, which I believe is the year that he passed. So uh, a true Steeler through and throughout and helped build the teams of the 1970s, Alan Fanica, a member of the Steelers' 2005 Super Bowl winning team, uh, six-time first-team All-Pro, and uh, those were the guys inducted on Sunday, and on Saturday there were three former Steelers, uh, former safety from the Steel Curtain days, Donnie Schell, uh, former head coach Bill Cower, and of course safety Troy Polamalu. Uh, 
big weekend in Canton for Pittsburgh. Uh, probably the only time the Steel five Steelers will ever be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you got to watch any of it. I watched pretty much every speech. Uh, I didn't like that they shortened it, but I understood shortened each speech, but I understood why they did. Uh, I thought it was a very entertaining event, a very entertaining weekend. Uh, yeah, I got to see a little bit of it. I thought that it was all well-deserved for all those guys. I mean, especially Bill Nunn. I mean, I feel like he is underrated and needed needed to get in. I mean, the draft classes that he brought in are amazing. Like, there's nothing you can't undermine that. He's brought in some really, really amazing talent in his time, and he really needed to make it in. Uh, obviously, the, there's the other guys were very deserving too, but uh, Nunn was a Pittsburgh guy through and through, born there. Basically spent his entire time there, other than going to college. But uh, yeah, I was very excited for all that, and I I, sh- I echo your sentiment about the speeches being too short. I know, like you said, it, you know it has to happen so that everyone gets their time to speak, so that they don't go over with the TV programming and stuff. But I wish you could have like gotten a, a little bit more time. And yeah, and. Especially, I, I also would have liked to have seen the video tributes they had for the deceased members that were being inducted, like a Bill Nunn, and there were several others that were inducted that were not there. I was hoping to see more about them, but sadly, uh, <clears throat> that was only available online and in person, obviously. About Bill Nunn, I mean, you could point to the 1974 draft and see his influence there. Obviously, he wasn't responsible for all the picks, but Bill Nunn was a big part of the introduction of these small, uh, historically uh, black colleges that saw these little-known athletes become superstars. And in 1974, John Stallworth and Donnie Schell, now two Hall of Famers, were a huge part of that. And just think about that 74 draft. That Yeah, they had the four Hall of Famers drafted with uh, Swan, Stallworth, Lambert, and Webster, but now... Even though he wasn't an official part of the draft class, Donnie Shell, an undrafted free agent, becomes the fifth Hall of Famer from that class to go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't think any other draft classes had more than two. So it really just goes to show what a profound impact he had on the Pittsburgh Steelers and really the NFL and college, uh, black colleges uh, overall. Yeah, it's most certainly never going to... It's probably not going to happen again. It's very unprobable that a team gets such a good draft class, especially with how things have expanded now to be able to be more, you know, it's easier to go from one college to view a guy. You hear about a guy even at the smaller schools a little bit easier now. It's just, it it's not going to be, it's not going to be as easy. And Bill Nunn kind of paved the way. So uh, I, re- I really appreciate that he made it in this year. Of the four Steelers speeches that you got to see, got to see did you or that were available to be seen did you see them and whose was your favorite Uh, i really didn't get to see much of them i only really saw unfortunately like peyton mannings and i saw some of troy palomalu so i guess i have to go by troy palomalu by default but i honestly didn't really get to see Mm -hmm. uh that much i gotcha yeah he had a really good speech i thought bill cower had a good one i thought alan fanica did too and donnie shell i mean they were all really good I think Peyton was probably the best. That's a guy. That was the number one example of why they should have had speeches lasting more than ten minutes. But I mean, he also wasted like the first three with jokes, which is you know it was funny though. I'll give him that. That that guy's definitely charismatic. So I uh, hope to see. Looking forward to seeing more of him, and uh, we're going to be seeing him and Eli in the alternate broadcast on Monday night. 
That's gonna be so weird. Uh, I'm. I want to give it a chance because I think that could be really cool, but I'm kind of unsure about it's it. It's just like it's like I don't know. Like it feels like those guys should still be playing. It fe- it feels like both of them are like not a like they still feel part of the league you know well it doesn't seem right that Peyton should should be in the hall of fame because it really doesn't feel like he retired that long ago and i mean really really i mean uh his last game super bowl uh 50 was just over five years ago which you know obviously lines up with him going in the in the hall of fame but it's still just kind of wild just goes to show you we're getting old but uh what was i gonna say yeah and then eli retiring just a couple years ago too it's strange but it also makes you appreciate the guys that are still around Uh, i was looking at somewhere uh with uh larry fitzgerald the free agent there's only two players left from the 2004 nfl draft class and i think that there's only i think there's only i think it's just tom brady left from uh prior to the 2004 season so I started watching football in 2000. Like I remember watching football games in 2002 during that season, and there's pretty much, as far as I know, there's just one or two players left. Everyone else is gone. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like the players that you first started watching are almost all gone. And a huge chunk of them have been retired for a decade now too. And it's funny because I remember thinking about 10 years ago when the Steelers were coming off their last Super Bowl appearance, and that being 10 years ago, the guy, the guys that were rookies in that league, like Marquise Pouncey was a rookie that season. He just retired, and he played 11 seasons. Like, he's gone. And uh, a lot of those younger guys are now grizzled vets, and a lot of the guys that were entering the league when I went into college in 2014 are now grizzled vets too. And, heck, I mean, let's talk about the – the guys who were rookies when we started this podcast five years ago this upcoming year, Artie Burns, Sean Davis, Javon Hargrave, now well into their second contracts, or if you're Sean Davis and Artie Burns, third contracts <laughs> because they were cut, but uh, that is neither here nor there. Four contracts Anyways, for uh, Davis, just, four. Yeah, four contracts. We uh, let, Let's get uh, back on track here. So the Hall of Fame game, which actually took place before – the Hall of Fame ceremonies over the uh, Hall of Fame weekend. The Steelers won the first game of the season in the rescheduled Hall of Fame game. This was supposed to be the one played last year, but obviously it did not happen due to the fact that there were no preseason games played. Uh, initial impressions from this game, you want to kind of start uh, just kind of looking position-wise, or do you want to just do kind of themes or thoughts from this game? Mm, I like position-wise. I'm, I'm a fan because I feel like it's easier to break it down that way organize my thoughts so i'll start with the quarterbacks if that's okay with you yeah Yeah, so a lot of people left this game because it 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 wasn't the barn burner that people were expecting usually preseason games tend to be uh a lot of points a lot a lot of scoring and stuff and a lot of people were like hammering the over please don't bet on preseason games i saw pat mcafee saying hammer the over for for this game, this is exactly why you don't. You have no idea. You have less idea of what's going on than you do in a regular game. Anyway, back to the point of quarterbacks. People left this game saying that, oh, Haskins looks so good and so much better than Mason Rudolph. And I felt like as a whole, like they were kind of on par with each other. It's just there's different skill sets. And I think that Dwayne Haskins is more what Steelers fans want. So they're pushing. I'm like a big Mason Rudolph hater. I've hated that pick since the beginning, but like, 
leaving this game, I thought both quarterbacks did okay. I thought they did uh, good. I, I wouldn't say anything amazing, but uh, Mason f- finished with the better rating uh, and more yards on less passes, so you take that as you will. But really, the best quarterback of the day was probably Josh Dobbs. He looked amazing as the preseason legend now. I feel like he's earned the role as preseason quarterback legend for the Steelers after being like really good the past three off seasons they've had him. So uh, overall, I thought the quarterbacks did did well. Dobbs scored the only touchdown of the day passing. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like there's not much else to say that other than Rudolph and Haskins were on par. Just they're different kinds of quarterbacks. And I, I didn't really feel like Haskins looked much better. In fact, I thought if anyone looked better, I thought it was a little bit of Rudolph. Yeah, I really think that these guys were pretty across the board, not all that impressive. I mean, Mason Rudolph had his most promising drive ended due to a fumbled uh, exchange between him and Chase Claypool on a jet sweep, which you'd rather see now than in the regular season. I'll, I will grant you that. Also had a pretty impressive sideline throw to, was it, uh, it was Chase Clay, Chase Claypool where Claypool caught it. Uh, that was the one where he fell on the ball, right, and got the wind knocked out of him? Yeah, pretty sure it was, yeah. Yeah, that, that was definitely the best throw of the night, but uh, I thought he was okay. Dwayne Haskins, you, you can see the arm, just not all that impressive. His ad- average depth of target was pretty low in that game. And like you said, Josh Dobbs had the best performance of the night, four for six with a touchdown. Uh, he had a good game. The ground game, I thought the numbers didn't tell the whole story. Uh, Najee Harris lost four yards on his last rush, but overall was having a pretty good game prior to that. He got a little more burn than I thought he would. Uh, but I still thought that the running game did what it had to do, and I, I forget the exact total, but I know that they were over 50% run success rate, which, hey, that's all I'm asking for. That's what we were saying last year, right? And they did yeah, that. Yeah, we just need the successful run rate. It doesn't have to be pretty, but if you're running successfully more than 50% of the time, which is a lot, uh, we could be happy. It, it doesn't matter what outside people say if there's not that great out of yards per carry. Honestly, I'm not expecting a big yards per carry from Najee uh, this year. I mean, he's kind of bigger. Not necessarily slower, but it's, it's like, tougher for bigger guys, I feel like. Maybe not Derrick Henry, but uh, I, I just want the successful run rate is the point. I believe Le- Le'Veon Bell averaged, yes, 3.5 yards per carry his first season in the NFL. So it really wasn't until he cut down in weight that uh, he really picked up. What do you think about the offensive line? Uh, they're they were kind of scary. I'm I'm trying to like in my mind separate what happened in the Eagles game and what happened in the Cowboys game, because I was like in my head I was thinking, oh, they got so many penalties early, it really ruined Mason Rudolph's drives. But that was actually the Eagles game. Um, the in the Cowboys game, I thought they were a, a little bit better against not so great edge rushers the, even the Cowboys like starters aren't that great off the edge so I thought that they did another all right it's kind of just like the starting quarterbacks uh what did you think of the offensive line through that game I thought they were okay um I thought uh Dan Moore and Kendra Green played pretty well in that game um not a whole lot uh, going on. Was there any sacks in this game? Josh Dobbs got sacked once. Uh, I felt like sometimes they had trouble 
with uh, pushing the line of scrimmage against the Cowboys, but generally I thought they held up pretty well. Uh, wasn't overly impressed with Joe Haig. I thought Dan Moore played well. Uh, Rashad Coward was okay. I'm struggling to think of guys who stuck out in that game from a pass blocking or run blocking standpoint. Yeah. Uh, on the uh, receivers, Claypool was pretty good, had that nice long catch. Uh, not a whole lot going on. A bunch of targets spread around. Um, Isaiah McCoy was targeted once, and he's been cut. Matthew Sexton had a nice punt return. Um, yeah, that's about it for Yeah, I felt side. like this game wasn't as interesting as the Eagles game. Like, I, I failed to... It's been a while, and I don't have the perfect memory, but I feel like I remember so much more from the Eagles game when we get to that. But we got to get to the defense first from this game. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about the defense, but I will point out that the outside linebackers were fantastic. Cassius Marsh had... Did he have a sack in this one? Yes, he did. Alex Highsmith had one early. Quincy Roche, Abdullah Anderson also had a sack, and Jameer Jones was putting pressure on the Cowboys. And uh, I believe they had just one, yeah just the one interception by Donovan Steiner. Uh, but a bunch of big plays made by the defense in this game. Hence, you know, the Cowboys only finishing with three points. Yeah, I thought they all did really well. And again, highlighted by Alex Highsmith. All I've been hearing about is how he's been improving this year. Just going to camp that his explosiveness off the snap has been incredible. And I mean, we're kind of, we. I saw that. Like in the preseason, I saw that. Funny enough, two Steelers have a uh, the quickness off the line for like, from Amazon statistical collection, like I forget what it's called. Do you know what it's called? NFL's ne- NFL's next gen. Yeah, NFL's next gen stats that are powered by Amazon. Uh, they track the get off times, how fast a player's off the snap, and the Steelers have two of the top five, and neither are Alex Highsmith, but it really feels like it. Uh, Jameer Jones, who's been excellent so far through the preseason, he is the new Ola Daney, new uh, Tuzar Skipper of edge rushers every year there's one that's like this guy's uncuttable and he's he's so going to get cut it's going to i'm over it now like it i I don't care about that but it's him and then cassius marsh the seals are really good at getting the snap count right for whatever reason it's got to be keith butler with all these guys being good at because it's tj watt does it too while when he plays alex highsmith looks really fast off it and now you have these two guys that are competing for a roster spot that are in the top five of preseason players so far of getting off the snap so uh really impressive work by keith butler even working with the young guys to you know give them a shot and as far as specialists go we had a great performance from Presley Harvin the third and uh, Sam Sloman was bad and he has since been cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Harvin did a good job in his, his game. He got the whole game to himself to punt all four times. So, and he did well. He averaged 45.8 uh, yards per punt. And then three of them were inside the 20. So you can't really get much better than that. All right, let's transition to the week one game against the Eagles. The Steelers win in comeback fashion against the Eagles, 24-16. to Let's start with the punting since we just finished there. Jordan Berry got all four punts in this one, and he actually responded with a pretty darn good game himself. Four for an average of 44 yards and two of them down to inside the 20. I think two of them were inside the 10. So another good performance from Barry, and uh, you know what? I'm all for it. I want to see both of these guys performing really well, and if the Steelers traded Brad Wing for a seventh-round pick before, 
I have to think that Jordan Berry can uh, pick up a seventh, and if he can do that, you recoup the seventh you took Presley Harvin with, and therefore it's a wash. Yeah, doesn't doesn't even matter at that point. Uh, but yeah, Barry's de- Barry needed this competition, obviously. Like he's really performing really well. I mean, the average was less than than um, Harvin's in this, but I'm not really looking at that. I think that Barry's hang time and that the distance in in terms of the game, like where the game was at, I thought he did uh, really well. He's definitely competing for this spot. I mean, we saw with Matt Weil, I, I tweeted out on Twitter, that if this is even remotely close, if Harvin only has a slight edge, they're going to give it to Barry. It's just, the, the difference is, uh, Harvin is a draft pick, so that is coming into play, but, I mean, it doesn't, Matt Weil outperformed Barry in every single way in that preseason he was with us, and uh, they said, mm, no, familiarity, please, because that's just what they like, so if it's close, they're probably going to go with Barry. Uh, elsewhere, it was, I believe it was just Chris Boswell kicking, but either way, it doesn't matter because Sam Sloman was cut. Uh, quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph, I didn't feel like he had much of a chance in this one. Uh, he did have one long completion to, uh, I believe it was Deontay Johnson where he dropped it in the bucket. Uh, largely struggled just in terms of having enough time to throw the ball in this one. Was only sacked once and did complete eight of his nine passes, most of them coming on the long pass to Johnson. I just felt like he played. I felt like he played okay given the circumstances, but I didn't think he had much of a chance. Yeah, not, this isn't. This is the game that I really focus on for the quarterback competition. This is the game that everyone said Haskins is so much better, and Mason Rudolph, like his first drive was destroyed by penalties. Pretty sure three penalties. One I remember specifically was Fryermuth's first snap on offense. He got a holding penalty. Then two of the other offensive linemen got penalties. I forget what exactly, but I just remember that his drives got destroyed when they were they were actually moving, and it's just like and then it, like it, what what can you do? Like there's really not not much you can do if your team is getting penalties. Like they need to play smarter than that, and that was on Mason Rudolph's drives. And then also the offensive line that was in front of Mason Rudolph was awful. It was like the worst I had seen in the line. Like they were all getting they were getting spun around. It was a really, really tough time for the starting offensive line they put out. They, they, and it makes sense. The Eagles are really deep at, at pass rusher. They're a traditionally team that's kept a lot of defensive linemen. And you saw guys like Javon Hargrave starting here. Like Javon Hargrave came out and was on the starting defensive lineman, and we know how good he is. So, uh, the offensive line when Mason Rudolph w- was in really, really struggled, and it got much better when Dwayne Haskins came in, and they kind of switched out the lines and they put in. Uh, different combinations. I thought that putting in Dan Moore was so huge for them, and taking Joe Haig off was also huge for them. Sorry, I had my uh, mic on mute there. So, uh, what do you think of Haskins' performance? Because he definitely played really oh, well. Oh, yeah. So, sorry, I don't want to go on the other side and say, no, Haskins sucks and Rudolph is the answer. Because that's not how I feel either. I think that Haskins did well. I think that Haskins likes to throw off his... Uh, he doesn't like to set his feet before throwing enough. But if he could just work on that, then he'd be great. Because I felt like every time that he was trying to throw when he was moving around, like he wouldn't get his feet set, and then the ball was like a little wobbler, or it wasn't going. And he has the arm strength. I know he does. I've seen the cannon he has. He's one of the biggest arms like out of his draft class. 
But like, if you're not throwing accurately, you could have the biggest arm you want. It doesn't. You're not going to be a good quarterback. So, uh, I I felt like that needs should be an emphasis for Haskins is just getting his feet set so he could throw the ball more accurately, and then uh, he'll be good. I think that they both did pretty well in this game. I I thought that it was an improvement over the first game. I thought they figured out the offense a little bit better. Uh, overall, I thought they had a better time finding the open guys. Uh, and I, I gave, uh, I'd say that Rudolph was slightly better in this game, but Haskins is like breathing right down his neck. Like it's, it's getting close. Yeah. So, uh, that's a good point is that Haskins did play really well. And I think that he did himself a lot of favors by playing well. I also don't think Rudolph played bad necessarily. I thought he played relatively well. He just didn't have much of a chance. And Josh Dobbs uh, was the third quarterback in, and unlike his performance the previous week, did not make the most of his opportunity this time around. Was 5 of 6 for 30 yards, but threw a really bad interception where he just stared down his target. So he needed to have a flawless camp and preseason, in my opinion, just to make the roster, and I'd be shocked if he's kept on the roster. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think he's going to I think he has a practice squad spot for him waiting so cuz he kind of he's a little bit more mobile and he offers offers that a different kind of quarterback in case good in the room Yeah, it's too. good for it's just good for the room. He's a smart guy. Smart guy to keep around and I think that's where he's going to reside assuming no team uh picks him up before then. But uh, I th- I think I think he's gonna be a practice squad guy. He's gonna be the quarterback four for the team. So that leaves just two and three, and you kind of touched on it a bit. It's kind of close between Haskins and Rudolph. Uh, I'll be honest. I unless if Haskins gets legitimate time with the ones here, and there's very little time left here, I think that Rudolph is still the number two guy, and Haskins is gonna be the game day inactive barring something crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to really he's got he has to pull away from Rudolph. He has to basically have a perfect game tomorrow against the Lions, tomorrow being uh the 20th. Uh but I I think he's going to need that and then probably one more. But I Ben is Ben is getting some time in this game, so he, his time is going to be cut into or maybe it's just taking away from Josh Dobbs' time. I'm not sure. I, I, Dobbs is probably going to come in still for a little bit, but he doesn't have a lot. He doesn't have as much time as he did the first two games. He needed to start early with the first two games and show that he separated from Rudolph, which he didn't. They're like neck and neck. And to me, Rudolph has been sli- like slightly better. He's like breathing down Rudolph's neck, but he needed to separate himself, and he hasn't. So how? So. Let's uh, let's think about this for a second. Ben is probably going to play, what, the first quarter, maybe a drive into the second quarter uh, tomorrow? Yeah, about a quarter. So let's assume that he plays just a little into the second quarter. How do you handle the quarterback breakdown after this? Because, frankly, I, I think Mason Rudolph has done just about all he needs to. Um, I'd I'd either play Haskins next with the twos and then Rudolph with the threes. Or I'd just sit Rudolph down for this game, period, and let Haskins play the next two quarters and let Dobbs mop up in game three. I think three. that's the smartest move you could do. I think – I was thinking the exact same thing where it's like either you let I, – I want Haskins to come in after Ben first regardless to, to give him the best chance because it's always been Mason Rudolph starting and then Haskins came in so far through preseason. Uh, it would be still Haskins coming in second, but it would be before Mason Rudolph give him a chance with – some better players, see how 
he reacts up against a little bit slightly better defense as well because when you get better t uh, when you get second tier on your team you're probably also getting second tier on the defense so that would be good as well because something that's undermined is Haskins is throwing against like the depth of teams when Rudolph is playing against the number twos on teams uh, so it's something to evaluate to see the matchups there as well And then in the fourth game, I think I'd honestly just either do a split half and half between Haskins and Dobbs or let Haskins yeah. take three of the four quarters. I think that's smart. I think what you have is a smart idea. All right. Uh, the rest of the offense uh, running backs, there was a big uh, performance from the ground game. I mean, they had the ball most of the second half. Uh, Tony Brooks-James showing off pretty well, so did Jalen Samuels. Uh, anyone stand out from the running Literally backs? Literally everyone was a winner in the running back room. Everyone besides Benny Snell, because Benny Snell couldn't play. Like, that was so unfortunate. Everyone got a chance to do something good. Najee Harris scared me a little bit because he's go going for the hurdles. It's part of his game. I'm like, please, man, you need to make it through the regular season, please. Uh, he only got two carries officially. I mean, one got taken away from the penalty. I'm pretty sure one of the hurdles got taken away from the penalty, but... Uh, that is correct. I believe that was the Friermuth. Uh, yeah, unfortunate. Holding. So he had more carries than two, but officially he only gets two carries for 10 yards and his day is over. Uh, I thought Jalen Samuels looked really, really good in this game. I thought that he had a really solid game pushing for him to make the roster over Benny Snell uh, and not get cut. Uh, Tony Brooks James as the closer, with uh, I thought he did really well. Technically finished with the most yards and the best yards per carry of the day of any rusher so i thought that he did well and he kind of did it consistently it was at the end of the game uh and he's a new guy so he's not likely to s a new guy this year i should say i mean he made this is his second time on the roster i think like he was on the roster now two years ago but uh he's just unlikely chance but he had the best game so maybe he'll get more time in this next one i thought anthony mcfarland did well i i just really thought that they all did well other like it just the losers were Benny Snell and uh, Balage because they just weren't able to play because they're injured. Offensive line, I thought the starting group did not play well, and I thought the rest of them did. Yeah, the starting group was really really tough. Joe Haig was absolutely getting destroyed out there. He graded positively on Pro Football Focus for whatever reason. I have no idea why. I don't know what they saw. That guy is killing it in his preseason grades right now yes somehow. i i don't i don't know oh you know who they love too though is dan moore and i, I, I do, do understand dan moore dan moore is solid i i he is going to win the swing tackle job i set it from the get-go and he is going to win it uh i don't see it coming uh kendrick green still has some growing pains uh speaking of things i was talking about and and will stand by is just kendrick green just really probably wasn't ready for a gig so soon and the Steelers are kind of saying thrusting him right into it which I hope it works out and I hope it's just he's working out the kinks now but I thought he was more of a guy that need to sit and develop for a little bit because center he's he was only like a center for I think like 12 games in his career in college or something like that because he wasn't a full-time center he started as a guard and I looked at him as a guard when I looked at him pre-draft uh uh, he's got some growing pains. He's going to struggle against power because he's undersized, and we saw that in this game. And it is a little bit worrisome when this is the guy that is likely your, your center going into the season, and when he goes up against ones, it's only going to be tougher, but 
just hope he works out those kinks. Yeah, I think you saw a prime example of the things he struggled with in college, and that was bigger, stronger defensive linemen at center. Uh, those shorter arms, I don't know if that's something that he's ever going to really get much better with because it's just such a natural disadvantage. I mean, I suppose he can get better at it, but I think it's something he's always going to struggle with, uh, just hopefully not to the same degree. But when you see a big, powerful defensive lineman practically put him on skates, that's those are things that you can expect to see with growing pains uh, this year. Yeah, uh, I, I stand by that Green is going to need a season. I think that Steelers... Uh, Steelers fans are going to want to kick him out after this year, and then next year he's going to be a beast. I think that he just needs this season, this season to develop, and I think the Steelers put him in a bad position rather than more than anything. So, uh, Defensively, the Steelers had some troubles with the deep pass in, in this game, or rather catching long runs with the Quez Watkins 79-yard touchdown on the screen pass. Pretty horrible effort from, uh, oh, why am I blanking on the guy's name? Trey Norwood, the uh, safety out there. Oh, I, I skipped receivers. I'm sorry. Let's go back and uh, is there any receivers you wanted to look at I real thought quick? Anthony Johnson did well, and then Cody White came in late, and Cody White just got like three catches in a row, and I thought he did well to play catch-up because White has been injured like all of training camp. So that those were like his – most of it like his first preseason snaps and I thought he used them effectively and hopefully we see more Cody White going into next game I thought I I liked Cody White the most and uh defensively the Steelers got more pressure in this game just two sacks though uh again these guys weren't really on the field much in the second half but Jameer Jones another sack Isaiah Loudermilk and Quincy Roche split a sack and uh, they picked off Nick Mullins twice. Uh, those interceptions went to who? Uh, I know Lafayette. Justin Lane. Justin Lane did. Yes, sir. Right. So, yeah, any outstanding thoughts on these guys? Again, I know I talked about it for the Cowboys game, but Jameer Jones has been really, really solid. Uh, there is an actual battle going on between him and Cassius Marsh for the final roster spot. Oh, and don't forget Quincy Roche. Too. Yeah, I, Quincy Roche is, is there, but I just I don't think he's he's as performing as well as Cassius Marsh and Jameer Jones. But he is he is part of of the fight. I mean, he could have a really good game next week where he absolutely destroys. Uh, I thought Isaiah Loudermilk looked so good, causing pressure. Like it, I like his stat sheet. Honestly, for a preseason game, his stat sheet was pretty solid. I mean, finished with two tackles, half a sack. One tackle for a loss, a pass defensed, and another quarterback hit. I I thought that he did really well, and uh, I just but I thought mostly his pressure was was really good in that game. All right, so as we move on now to talk about other things that are going on, uh, where do you want to go to now? I th- uh, we could uh, talk about. I th- I go think ahead. that because it happened in the middle of the game. Uh, and the, basically, the Eagles game had just started for ten minutes, right, or at uh, something, yeah. mm-hmm. and then out of nowhere, the Steelers have traded for Jaguars linebacker Joe Schobert, the former Brown. So I want to go there because I feel like it cut into that game. It felt so weird coming in the middle of a game. It's like someone I don't know who would have broke that news, you know? Like who broke that news right as they were about to play? Like who would cause that distraction? I, I have no idea. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> 
Kevin Colbert saw the first play with his linebackers <laughs> who were not playing well and said this is something's got to be done. No, yeah. Oh, we didn't even touch upon that. Yeah, the middle linebackers were really bad in, in that Eagles game. They just didn't have a good time. So, yeah, so Robert Spillane has had a tough preseason so far. Devin Bush with his first game back from his ACL tear. So I don't want to look too much into Bush's bad play in last week's game, but Spillane has been having trouble, and I think that was the primary motivation. But as we'll get into here, there's a lot of levels to this. But Schobert as a player, let's talk about him real quick. A guy entering his sixth NFL season, a former pro bowler with the Cleveland Browns, has certainly made his mark on the league, racking up a ton of tackles and has played well in coverage throughout his career. I'm sorry, say that one more time. I was going to say, like, let's just talk about Joe Schobert because uh, he, he's a guy that's made his mark on the league through coverage and just the fact that he's racked up a ton of tackles during his six-year career. Yeah, he's been really solid. He was one of my favorite Browns players when he was on the Browns. I was happy to see him go when he went to the Jaguars because it was, like, coming off when he had that killer game against the Steelers, like, to end the season. Uh, I, 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 It just... I. I think that he didn't fit with the new system with the new coach, like with Urban Meyer. He's an expensive player, uh, which made it even more interesting that the Steelers traded for him because it was a lot of a, a lot of cap hit to take. We didn't really know the details until like two days later of what was happening. But all in all, yeah, that 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 was not a normal move. Like, I like I know that we always talk about Kevin Colbert picking up someone. This is not like. A typical move it's not like him to acquire someone with a pretty significant cap hit and salary yeah not at this stage in the game usually the Steelers are pressed right up against the cap but they really found a love for those voidable years and contracts they're like oh baby I found a new way to restructure contracts basically by pushing money to future years I'm doing that every single contract and I feel like almost every single contract that they've done so far since then has have had voidable years on it uh I really can't think of one other than uh, Stefan Tuitz. I, I think they restructured Tuitz. So they didn't add a voidable year. Everyone else, I'm pretty sure they added voidable years. So like we could kick money down into like five years from now instead of just next year. Hell yeah, dude. I feel like that's been the sentiment. Yeah. So the Jaguars, you know, new system. They're trying to find a line more of a thumper, apparently, type linebacker in Dakota Allen or Damian Wilson to pair next to Miles Jack, the guy that they let run around, which is kind of interesting because we've been talking for a while now about how the Steelers have been employing those kinds of linebackers, uh, usually just the one runaround guy in either Shazier or Devin Bush, and that seems to be a dying breed. So the fact that the Jaguars are going against that green. I, I got to question that, to be honest with you. One of the interesting things about Joe Schobert is that after his first practice, which he wore number 45 for, and he said that that is not a permanent number change, is that he's uh, expecting to be wearing the green dot as the uh, communicator for the defense, and he's also expecting to be the primary dimebacker, which means he's the every-down linebacker and not Devin Bush. What did you think about that? I think that it made that this it made this trade really much more required than we thought. I thought that uh, Bobby Spills was going to be the guy. I thought we were okay with that. I thought it was he seemed solid, but apparently he's just been having a really bad camp. And I mean, apparently Devin Bush isn't ready for the green dot duties in terms of the coaching staff's eyes. 
So uh, this trade needed to happen because to give the I understand giving Schobert the green dot like starting this preseason game like after he's gotten gotten some some experience they gave him the green dot the first day before he even knew the playbook completely like that is wild to me that you're immediately starting him with the green dot to call plays when he doesn't even know what he's exactly calling yet I'm sure he's a fast worker I'm sure that's why they they traded for him and trusted him to do that but that's still wild to me when you have tons of guys with experience on the roster now. Yeah, I mean, he's long had a reputation of being a smart football player. So getting him with the idea of using him to call plays is not crazy in of itself. However, the fact that Devin Bush was picked at number 10 overall, you traded up for the guy, you'd think that he'd be the guy for this. But uh, do you think it says anything about the Steelers coaching staff? Maybe, maybe not necessarily teaching him a lesson, but maybe showing that they are not necessarily pleased with uh, maybe his maturity or his attitude, given everything that happened this off season with him and his whole Twitter nonsense. And uh, the fact that maybe he hasn't been focusing enough on the mental aspect, the football acumen aspect of the game. It's definitely a possibility that it's like, Hey, like, this is a warning. Like we're getting a guy to do the job we wanted you to do because you're not ready, and we wanted you to be, and we drafted you this highly to do so. But uh, and obviously he's not replacing you, but like we can we can replace you if we have to. And I I think that's that's kind of the message they could be sending. Uh, but more than more so than anything, I think they were more worried about Robert Spillane and then also the play calling duties. It sucks that Devin Bush can't do the play calling duties on defense, but uh. It really, there's so many different reasons why they could have gotten Joe Schobert. Also, so they could cover wide receiver ones better with middle linebackers because they exactly. love doing that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was like the first thing I said to you was like, now we can go from Spillane covering slot receivers to Joe Schobert. Great. Classic. Yeah. Heck so, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a great move and a fantastic move by Kevin Colbert. And uh, worst case scenario, Devin... Devin Bush is just your two down linebacker, but you know, he should be helpful anyways. And you know, best case scenario, he takes over those duties mid season. Yeah. I mean, by the way, what do you think about his sort of response to those questions about his Twitter usage this off season? Did he see that? I thought I really was not impressed with his response to that. Yeah, no. Like he basically said that his Twitter is my mine. Right. And it's like, not a reflection of the team or something, something like that. It's wild he he said he basically said they can't control him, which is not necessarily true because Mike Tomlin has stopped a player from using social media uh, for a period of time before. So I mean that's not exactly true. I was pretty disappointed to hear him say that. And again, not that Twitter is the be all end all, but you and I talked about him and like the shady. He was acting really shady, and then he. He was tweeting about something very unsavory, and uh, you know I understand it's your Twitter, but at the same time, it's a, you're allowed to be a professional too. Yeah, I mean you're not in college anymore. He's on the national stage, so I mean, I wish I wish it would be better, but it is what it is, I guess. So hopefully he matures in the future, but right now it's not looking like it. All right. So let's move on to the other big signing from earlier this offseason. That was Melvin Ingram uh, signing to basically replace Alex Highsmith as the swing edge rusher. Uh, has been playing well as a pass rusher and run stopper 
in camp. Not really a big coverage guy, but we kind of knew that. A guy that didn't have a big productive year last year, but still graded relatively well, but struggled through some injuries. Yeah, originally I wanted Houston, and then Houston wanted to be in Baltimore. So he's now in Baltimore, and Ingram's now with the Steelers. Uh, basically for the same deals, but I I like Ingram after watching his tape. I was I won't lie, I was kind of like looking at the stats. I'm like, well, he kind of sucks, but like his pressure, he's kind of like a Stefan Tua kind of player, where it's like his pressure is beyond. It's it's amazing. Like you, the pressure that he causes is something that doesn't come up on the stat sheet, but he causes a lot of it. He's going to wreak havoc. He's going to force bad throws, and I, I like the signing a lot more now than when I originally saw it. I think it's good, and I think he's performed well from what it sounds like coming out of training camp. Uh, I, I like the Melvin Ingram move. Yeah, and at this point, you shouldn't, at his age and with his injury history, I think it's a mistake to be asking him to be a premier pass rusher, but this is a guy that's had double-digit sack seasons before. He's been a productive player, and if Alex Highsmith takes the leap that you think that he could, and Ingram is a healthy player this year, this could be a better edge rusher group than it was last season. If Highsmith truly took a step forward from where he ended off last year, there's a very good chance. There is a very, very good chance that that happens. Because uh, Ingram's probably a, about, probably better than where Highsmith was last year. Maybe the same. Highsmith has the potential to be better than Bud Dupree was already, which is really, really nutty. Because l- last year, like, he was really, really good in, in the starts that he got after Dupree's injury. Not as good as Dupree, but like he was, be- he was a higher. He had a bigger floor than when Dupree came in as a rookie. Highsmith's floor was much higher from where he started, uh, and I mean, if he had really improved, like you said again, it's just he's gonna be. It's gonna be like no noticeable difference. Like nothing happened to the edge rushing room going into the season. Devontae Smith is breaking ankles. Uh, Devontae Smith. Oh, I forgot. It's the Patriots-Eagles tonight, right? Yep. Devontae Smith just broke some ankles. Classic. Unsurprising. Uh, Yeah, so the Steelers also restructured the contract of Stefan Tuitt and added voidable years because that's what they do now. They oh, Steelers... they did add voidable years to him. So there's literally been no contract that they've had since basically figuring out that they could do that. That hasn't had voidable years. They've done it on every single contract that they've done. Let me double check this. I'm fairly certain that they added voidable years to this. Yep. Um, it's not official. Let me say that it's not official. According to Field Yates, the Steelers converted $7.925 million of his base salary into a signing bonus creating 6.34 in cap space. Steelers Depot says if Yates' numbers are correct, it likely means the Steelers added three voidable years. Ah, okay. Yeah, so for any major player that they added, there's been uh, void void years in the contract. So I said every contract, not not the undrafted free agents, not the rookies, not like smaller smaller guys like Miles Killebrew, which there might be in Killebrew's contract. It's just not someone that's like, you know, 
it's a smaller contract. All the bigger contracts that they made this so far, they've put in those voidable contract, uh, voidable years. So as a result, the Steelers are current, according to OverTheCap.com, they have approximately seventeen million six hundred seventy-nine thousand two hundred and twenty-four dollars in cap space at the moment. Keep in mind, the Steelers use approximately seven to ten million of that already for. Uh, regular season flexibility in case they have to add an Avery Williamson like they did last year and practice squad players. So that's, you know, that's, you know, anywhere from half to almost two thirds of it already spoken for, but it could be signaling potential cushion for a TJ Watt extension or maybe one other additional signing. So I wouldn't think the Steelers are done here, but again, I don't think it's going to be a big deal either. Yeah, I mean, they could still clear up cap space with a Joe Hayden extension. I'm pretty sure they could clear up some more cap Chris, space. If they Chris Boswell to. could be restructured. That saves about an additional million. Yeah, so if they really wanted to, they could. I don't. This is a lot of cap space for them at at this point. I, I like it's kind of weird because like I feel like at the, I I feel like a little bit. I've kind of joked about the voidable years. They've kind of gone a little bit crazy with it. I feel like it's not been necessary for every contract. I guess they're I I feel like kicking it down the road they've always loved doing it with restructuring but like I feel like at some point like it's just like why are you doing this like I I I really I don't know if the Steelers are done there still could be more trades to happen there could be that they're going to try and pick up a safety after the final wave of cuts something like that but like that's a lot of money for a guy that's cut you know usually if a guy's getting cut like that there's not going to be that many good players available worth more than like 3 million APY. So I, I don't really know why do they're think, carrying this much. Do you think he's bracing for a potential Joe Hayden situation from 2017? Maybe, maybe that that's gotta be what he's hoping for is like, he thinks that someone's going to get cut that he wants or something like that. I guess just in case, I guess, I, I guess that really is it. I was, why not have it for now? And then if there's someone there, you can immediately get them. And if they're not, you just have the extra cap space. It rolls over to next year anyway. So it, whatever's left over. So I guess it's really not that bad of a practice. It's just so weird to me. I don't know. Well, it's either that or they're anticipating a larger cap charge from TJ Watts extension than, Maybe originally, meaning they might do something different with this contract uh, too. That is not, fair. They they're not a team that usually gives up front money, but for T.J. Watt, they might have to. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, uh, last thing, major thing to get to is that the Steelers made five uh, cut downs to get to eighty-five as they had to. Number one is uh, tackle Brandon Walton, who was claimed by the Buccaneers. Kicker Sam Sloman, receiver Isaiah McCoy, defensive lineman Abdullah Anderson, and defensive back Steven Denmark. Kind of surprised that someone from the Steelers got claimed. I, I usually, even when they're the bigger cutdowns, on the first five to have someone already claimed, that's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if he'll last with the Buccaneers. I can't say Brendan Walton made a lasting impact on me with the Steelers this offseason. Obviously, he did not make a lasting impact on the coaches, so... Good luck with the Buccaneers, I suppose. It's just weird to see someone claimed. I feel like the last one that got claimed was Spencer, Deontay Spencer, who went to the Broncos. I think he's still their return man over there. I will point out that the Buccaneers just recently had an injury along the offensive line, so that probably explains that. Uh, but yeah, none, sense. none of those guys were really standing out. Uh, other news, Chase Claypool maintain, uh, sustained a minor ankle sprain after 
uh, pass uh, attempt and uh, I think the second to last training camp practice the other day. Thankfully, he avoided major injury and theoretically he still could play tomorrow, but I think that's pretty doubtful. I think the next time we'll see him is in uh, Orchard Park. Yep, it just doesn't make sense. Let him heal. Luckily, it doesn't. It's not even the worst kind. It's not a high ankle sprain. It's a, it's a low one. So it shouldn't be too bad. It shouldn't be super lasting. But better to be careful, safe than sorry. Just wait till week one. Let him play. He he got his preseason reps. It's not like he needs to be reintroduced to football. Uh, I think that he's shut down up until the regular season. I echo your sentiment. All right, uh, still talking about a possible T.J. Watt extension. We just mentioned that uh, he's still not taking part in team practice. Um, seems as though he's waiting for a deal to be done, but has not been done yet. Are you starting to get worried? How do you feel about all this? No, I'm not worried. I think that an extension will be done before week one against the Bills, so I'm not really worried. If it gets into the regular season then i'll be worried because the Steelers don't really do deals extensions in the right once the season starts so then i'd be a little bit worried because now you're talking about in the off season well first of all i'd be worried because there's something wrong because you just should have gave tj watt a blank check and it should have been basically that easy to say okay yeah we'll pay you 30 million dollars a year make you the first 30 million dollar defensive player or whatever and it should have been that easy but then uh, also, now you're talking about you have to work on Minka's extension too in this offseason. And that's on top of if you don't get Joe Hayden signed to extension now. It's a lot of working on some high-profile players on the defense, all on one side of the ball for that. So I, I would if TJ Watt doesn't get done like right now uh, before the season starts, I would be very, very concerned. Do you think Joe Hayden gets done? I I am I don't know I'm so back and forth on that because like on one hand yeah he's really good and he's been really solid since coming over but he's older he's in his 30s and cornerbacks fall off the face of the earth just so quickly like the the, the most common I think of is like Josh Norman Josh Norman had one great year amazing year and it's just like up oh, he fell off the face of the earth that's it Done how about Darrell Rivas an even higher profile yeah Darrell Rivas like and. That's even better because Darrell Rivas was obviously very good for a while. while probably should be a Hall of Famer uh, eventually. Uh, but, like, he just one year just began sucking. Like, and that's all it takes. Like, and then if the Steelers are handicapped to that, especially a, like, $12 million player because who knows what Hayden's going to go for. I'm not uh, – apparently, like, top-end cornerback money right now is – I think Xavier Howard just restructured his deal to, like, 19 so that would put Hayden in like the 13, 12, 13, 14 category. That's a lot of money for an older guy. So I don't know. I, it will lessen the cap hit this year, which in any other year where the Steelers are pressed up against the cap, I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is probably a good good idea. Push it to later. But like the Steelers don't need cap, cap space either right now. So it's like, it's just, a, there's, I'm so back and forth. I think that they should add one more year on but i would rather wait till after the season to do that yeah, one. I'd rather, see how he plays yeah see how he plays and then so you're not strapped to him until afterwards because uh, I, I if he plays good i'm 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 willing to give him another year maybe two if it's cheap any concern about stuff on to it not practicing yet no i i think that he's just gotta take his time he might have an injury that's not disclosed there could be something wrong 
I'm not really worried. I know too it's going to show up when the season starts. They wouldn't have restructured a contract for a guy that they didn't think was going to play. Nope. I think we're good there. And then, uh, lastly, as far as I know, James Washington, uh, there was a report that came out that he asked for a trade, and then a report that came out that said that he did not ask for a trade. And then when asked about it, Washington did not say that he had, but he also didn't deny that he had either. So um, let's talk about James Washington potentially asking for a trade, and then on top of that, the likeliness of it happening. So... I don't blame Washington at all. He's unfortunately been overshadowed ever since he got there. There was always guys in front of him. It always seemed like there was three guys in front of him. So now with Juju back for one more year, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, his role is wide receiver four. And that sucks. Like uh, He was drafted in round two. Deontay Johnson was drafted after him. I believe technically on a pick basis, Chase Claypool was picked after him. No, no, Chase... Because the Steelers sucked that year because of Devlin Hodges. So that's not true. But uh, what's it called? Still, though, it's just he's seeing guys that came in after him getting more time. And I I don't blame him that he wants to go get a chance on another team to get paid. This is his contract year. So he he wants to get as much money as possible. And it's not going to be on the Steelers, sadly. The Steelers are now heading towards a run-first team, which even further... Uh, is going to hurt his chances of making it onto the field, where they also drafted a second tight end, who, who will probably ask, will, which will ask for more two tight end sets. You know, like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff playing into more this. More fullback Jay- this year too. Yeah, more fullback with a, with an offensive coordinator that is accustomed to this exact to Derek Watt. So it's just for, for me, I think James Washington's always been a guy that brings his lunch pail to work, keeps his head down, and does his job. And I've appreciated that, and I I respect him wanting wanting a trade. And I think he's handling it like a professional, like where he's like, I'm not going to come out and talk about the team. And I know that if the Steelers don't trade him, he'll come out there and play the best he can. Still, he's not. I don't picture him making a fuss. I but like I think that the Steelers should probably honor it. Uh, going back, James, James Washington is one of the guys where I was like, I might have like been wrong on the pre-draft process. I th- saw, said that he had potential to be the best wide receiver in this class, which is, you know, saying someone has the potential isn't necessarily wrong. And I still think he could. I mean, he could still have, have a chance, but he hasn't had a chance with the Steelers. Supposedly, the Vikings have came and, and asked about him. Uh, the NFL Rumors account tweeted that, and they've been pretty good with their stuff. They usually get their stuff first. Like, uh, they had Quan Alexander signing with the Saints two weeks before he signed with actually signed with the Saints. Like, he he knows when people are contacting. There might have been no actual trade coming through. The Vikings might have just been doing their due diligence. But that's the t- that's the team. The only team so far that I've heard is actually, you know, even approached the Steelers about it. And that's not necessarily true. Uh, true, but. Uh, I don't know how plausible this trade is for the Steelers. I mean, wide receiver four after Washington leaves is Ray Ray McLeod, and that's not very good. That's not exciting at all. Uh, honestly, no. I'm not even I'm not even married to the idea of McLeod being on the 53. Um, the Steelers are definitely have their best position as receiver, but Washington is a part of that, and beyond the top four guys, there's really not much. Yeah, I mean, the, the Steelers would basically have to get a wide receiver back in the trade that was maybe slightly worse than Washington, but, like, 
why would you do that when you could just have Washington? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I, like, the only position you could acquire, and there's no point in trading for a pick since the Steelers are in win-now mode. You could trade for another receiver, which, like you just said, what's the point? And a backup safety, which if Malik Hooker is signing for basically the vet minimum, I, I'd say, look, James, I appreciate you. I understand you. But as you just saw in practice the other day, we are one play away from you know, one inju- Chase Claypool injury, one Juju Smith-Schuster injury, you know, one Deontay Johnson injury away from needing you full-time. Yeah, it's very plausible, too. Very plausible. So, I I hope that we hold on to Washington for this, this year. I, I, they might respect his wishes because, again, he's a professional, but I guess we'll just have to see. I, I respect where he's coming from, too. Like, I, I just, I, I, I understand. totally get it. Totally get yeah. it. Um, I will say that Juju coming back it was probably the worst thing in the world for him, personally. Because yeah, I he mean, was... He got his, that was his chance. Yeah. He got his starting role taken away. Just like that. All right. Um, we're running about an hour, just over an hour here, so I think we're probably good to wrap this one up. Uh, we can talk more about the 53-man roster after we recap uh, this upcoming game tomorrow. Um, does that sound good to you? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for joining us again on the Stronger Than Steel podcast. We hopefully should have some pretty exciting things coming up with the uh, with the podcast and with the website that we're working on. Um, not going to be anything right away, but we're hoping to do that and maybe some rebranding, uh, changing of the logo here, so... Uh, We have some exciting things going on, which uh, you should hopefully see somewhat soon. Austin, thanks for joining me again, and I'm glad that we were able to get this done officially. Maybe I shouldn't say that because we should post it before I say something like that, but (laughs) what is done is done. I'm not going to delete it. So, uh, yeah, feel free to follow us on Twitter at Stronger underscore Steel to see tweets about the Steelers game tomorrow. And uh, just retweeting about Steelers news in general, thoughts on things that are going on. And uh, you can also check out our website, StrongerThanSteelNFL.blogspot.com. And check out our YouTube page where we post our episodes. And we're now on Anchor, which is going to be posting our episodes on Spotify as well. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Stronger Than Steel podcast. Uh, John Keir, Austin Davidson, say so long tonight. Bye. Bye, everybody. You have been listening to Stronger Than Steel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and don't forget to check out our website listed in the description below.